recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation and around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. This is podcast number 397. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, my co-host is always John White. John, how are you doing? Doing great, Eric. I, I drove across the bay, and I, I'm sorry, listeners, I did not even look at the color of the bay. That's, that's usually my, my weather report. Well, that's that's okay. You can you can hit us next time. You've yeah, been here right. now two weeks in a row, so we appreciate yeah, two it. Two weeks in a row. This, I'm excited about this that. This is a record for John. And customers customer stuff must be slowing down as we get ready for VMworld. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no, not at all. Right. So on the show today we have Linda Britt, senior director of global events. She's here to come and talk about VMworld, and with her we have Nikki Marketing Sharon, record, yeah. marketing. We're here to talk about VMworld. Uh, let's do a little bit of the news uh, that are, that's going on because there's a lot of stuff that are happening. I have a couple things. John, I don't know if you've got anything, and I know uh, Corey's been doing some stuff on the VExpert. So. All right, so let's get to the news. Um, we announced the hackathon. So the hackathon went live today in Scheduled, you know, in scheduled Builder for the session pre-hackathon. So Super if you want to go in and get registered for those training sessions for the hackathon. Those went live as of yesterday, so you can go get yourself registered for that. That's going to be led by William Lamb and Alan Renouf again. We're going to try to get them on the podcast in a couple of weeks to talk about everything that's going on there. This, this year, it's going to be a code fest. So there's day one, day two, day three, and day four events going on for the developer. So should be fun for everybody. Alan and uh, William are two of the kind of rock stars when it comes to you know, well, especially Alan, on he's a PM who owns API integration. William, who's you know just really owned automation of uh, VMware infrastructure for you know years and years on his blog. So, uh, if if you're interested in that and interested in interacting with those guys, those those would be some amazing sessions to participate in and some uh, and to actually you know go in and, and, and participate in the hackathon. What an amazing experience. Just just to get one-on-one all-night session time. So oh, it's going to start at 6 in the evening or 6.30 in the evening and go till midnight. So, you know, this is a time to get to go hang out with William and Alan and be part of this. Other things that happened, the VM10 brown bag sessions are filling up. I think there are about 30 or 40 of the 100 that are completely full now. Katie has produced a great blog on all the things that we are doing. Other things going on, Corey, V experts, uh, nominations are done. When are you guys going to do the announcements? So the announcement will be done before VMworld. I uh, don't have it a date yet. Um, the date was originally August 11th, but I think we might have to push that out just a, little, just a hair. Um, still might be able to keep that same date, but we're, yeah, we're still in the middle of uh, voting for V expert as well as uh, the subprograms NSX and vSAN as well. On the party front, so the Pinball yes. Museum this year, we invited Pat. Haven't, haven't found out whether Pat's going to be there or not. But we also have food trucks outside, so the V-Expert party should be pretty fun. Uh, hopefully, Pat will be able to do a drive-by and sit, play some pinball with everybody. Sure. Shuttles um, this year. Yep, yep, uh, shuttles again this year. And, yeah, Pat, I haven't heard confirmation from Pat either. Usually we, we get confirmation as we get a little closer, but right. uh, I'll check in with Carolyn as well. Okay, so watch for that. We'll put it out on social when that opens up. Hopefully, between now and next podcast, we'll have that up and running so you can go get registered. We have plenty of slots again this year. We're expecting 300 people. Uh, if we need to go more, we can, and we, we will have quarters to play pinball. Uh, any other things that we want to uh, announce before we get to, to Linda and Nikki now? now? Let's not forget that Europe is uh, coming up two weeks immediately after. That's a great, um, great reminder, chat. Yes. Everything uh, we're going to be repeating. Yep, that's right. Um, 
All right, anybody else on the chat want um, anything going on? Spousal activities, yes, spouse activities is there. I know my wife's going to be there, so I've sent her to spouse activities, and uh, we're going to figure out what she's going to go do. Great activities for your sp- uh, spouses during the week. And it's reasonably priced activities, so it's a, it's a great program run by the community. So great to, great to go throw them out some. And obviously we've got cloud credit as um, well, for, uh, and Noel will be there. That's right. CloudCred's going to be there, going to be there in the labs. Um, they are also going to be giving away Amazon Echoes as well as in the labs. Okay. Okay. Well, Linda Britt, we'll start with you. Welcome to the Community Podcast. Have you ever been on the show before? I have not. This is my first time. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? What have you done at VMware? How long have you been here? And what do you do in the IT industry in general? How long have you been out doing what you do? Well, after a brief period of time where I thought I wanted to be a cook for the Army, (laughs) I quickly adjusted my goals in life, and I decided to get into high-tech and started in high-tech more years ago than I care to admit, but in writing curriculums for training. So this was for sales training or Mm -hmm. demos for resellers or just other software how-to guides for customers. So that's where I really kind of got my roots. I got the bug bite at that time. It's amazing to hear people's stories when they come in and you hear how they work their way up through uh, through IT in general. That's that's fascinating. Yep. Yeah, but I've been working with VMware since 2009. Started to work on the conference in that year, and um, it's been quite a wild ride. Um, as I say to many people, when I first started working on the Gen Sessions in particular that year and kind of broadly across the program over the years, when I started, we were sort of a one-product company. You know, and here we are now with something like 11 different lines of business. And to watch how that kind of a change for a company affects something like VMworld and what it means to try and balance all the priorities is sort of an interesting process to have gone through. But it's been a great ride. Do you remember how many people were registered for 2009? Gosh, I don't remember. It was in the low thousands, I'm sure. Okay. You know, I know. I think I was there the year that they broke 10,000. So um, it's it's definitely been a fun growth ramp to watch. Wow. Yeah, definitely a big show now. Sometimes when we watch all the people come through and the growth that happens, it's 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 awestruck when you see how many people are actually coming to these things and how you guys manage all that uh, every year is interesting. Okay. So, uh, well, Nikki, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, if somebody run run into you at VMworld, will they even see you? How long have you been at VMware, and what do you do here, and what have you done since you've been out of college? Um, they might be running very quickly by. I'm usually scooting from one place to the other really fast. Um, this is my fifth and sixth VMworld. We kind of count them with the U.S. and Europe, so number five and number six for me. Um, I joined the team back in 2014 uh, working on the event, and I came in seven weeks prior to it, so it was kind of like baptism by fire and getting things going and working on the marketing plan, um, but really exciting. I kind of fell in love with the pace and the subject matter I was really interested in, So, um, but similar to Linda, I have a food background. I went to culinary school after college uh, and thought I wanted to be a chef, did that for a short time, and then went into marketing, um, so more traditional space. But then found my way here, and now it's, you know, the years go by very fast. So it's just another year, but we're growing, and it's really exciting, and the momentum season is really um, a time where the entire company comes together, which is cool to see. That's interesting. I, I don't want to generalize, but, um, you know, 
I would say like kitchens that's like organized chaos, right? Right, so right. So much organization for so long. Yeah. 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 It is it is it's a it's one of those things where you have to be worrying about the tasks and all the elements that come into production mm-hmm. production of the show. So and it's everything coming together at the same moment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, your toast can't be cold by the time your eggs and bacon are cooked, right? <laughs> that's that it all has to Sink. It's a it's a huge problem. So um, I need to eat breakfast at your house, Eric. So so this year, theme selection. I'll just take you through kind of some of the things that uh, pop into my mind that, that I've talked about. But feel free, anybody, jump in on the chat or um, John for sure. Throw things in. But every year there's a new theme. You know, can you tell us how do we figure out what theme is going to be? What's the process like? When do you guys get started? When you have to figure out how we're going to run this thing and select themes. And then once you select themes, how do you define what the goals are for the event? Uh, what, can you give us some insight? Because like, all of us come to the show, but I don't think we see what you guys have to do to you know, make all these things happen. So I'm going to try to take you through that journey just so people can hear about it and then understand what you guys have to go through to put this, to, put this together. So first of all, the event starts, frankly, years in advance of the actual event date. So as you think about venue selection and timing and dates associated with an event of this size, we have to be years in advance of it or it would never come to be. Um, the theme is interesting because that that is one of the things that comes early in our development cycle. Um, we spend a large amount of time thinking about the theme and what we're trying to say, not so much because we think, our audience makes a decision to attend the event or not based on the theme. Okay. We don't expect that. We know that's not true. But what the theme does do for us, it is a, it allows us to sort of coalesce around a couple of key ideas as a company, and then we use that almost as a creative launch pad for everything we do from that point going forward. This year we have a theme that is focused around these I am statements. I am a game changer, I am an innovator, I am a maverick. And we're really excited about it because it does such an effective job of really making our customers stand out as the hero. It puts everything through the lens of a customer, and the customers that attend this event year over year are the ones that are causing disruption, making positive change, getting great things done within their organization. And this year's team theme really helps us celebrate that. Um, so we're excited about that for this year. That's interesting that it's like a you know a year in advance, and then you know, we start making these decisions, and then you know you start putting components together. Well, I mean, actually, I'm curious. I, I don't want to take focus off of the theme, but but you said something interesting, like just venue selection. When you're talking about an event that has twenty thousand people attending, how many places and venues in the U.S. can actually handle that? It's got to be less. 10, right? Probably, um, especially if you, you want to try and concentrate everyone in the same building or two. Right. You know, as many of our attendees know, as we spread out and they have certain things that take place in a hotel down the street and certain places in the convention center and one building and then have to move to another building 30 minutes later, all of that is just, you know, steps you've got to take and it makes the experience a, that much harder. And so we try and be as thoughtful as we can about thinking about the venues that can offer the most complete um, amount of 
space for us and the nearest venues that we can take over. Um, but as the event has grown, there's been a little bit of that sort of oozing out into other properties. So we are certainly thoughtful about what it means from an attendee experience. But yeah, there's really a handful that can handle an event of this size, really just dedicated with inside the kind of convention center wall, even center. less in Europe. Where there's fewer places in Europe sure. for us. So when you guys negotiate, uh, let's say we're in Vegas, and now you know, we do the Venetian, then we, we drift over to other places. How does that go about? Uh, is it just availability? Do, do you guys start talking to you know, hotels a year in advance? Uh, how do you guys figure out where to end up in Vegas? Yeah, well, that's a, a secret of the trade. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Talk about that. It is a lot based on availability and dates. And so you may have... Uh, we certainly focus primarily on cities first and locations. We care about, um, we have to think about things like what's happening in the weather during that period of time, what else is going on in the city, are there major construction projects in the city that might affect the experience of our attendees, um, what, is the, what is the airplane situation, what's the airlift into that particular city, is it convenient for people from around the globe to get there um, in the fewest number of flights possible, you know, what, is it, what does it cost to execute an event and for our attendees to stay in that hotel. So all of those things are factors, but at the end of the day, you have to marry up the dates that you want in a city that you want in a venue that works for you. And so it is a little bit of a balancing act and it's not always easy. Um, which is again is why we have to be on it, right. you know, oftentimes years in advance. Just the airlift that that term I have never heard before, right? So it's like it's fascinating to hear that that's part of the plan. Is you know, do you have enough flights coming in? Is there a competitive event going on that's going to take some amount of those flights off the table? Exactly. You guys worry about that. Mm-hmm. Right? All of because that. at the community site, I, I kind of look at the chat where we just go, oh, we don't like that city, or oh, I like that city better. But when you guys are actually kind of planning this stuff out. You guys have to look at airlift, right? Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. We do. Right. Um, and then competitive events, that kind of stuff. Then you just you just kind of do it. Are there ever choices where you have to like you know flip a coin and just go? We don't know. We're just gonna we're just gonna go with one. Or do you take a pat and go? Where do you want to go? Or do you take it to Robin? Or yeah? Or is it always kind of work its way out where it becomes obvious? what the right answer is going to be based on all these parameters. It's always hard to make these decisions by committee, but um, I, we have found that, frankly, the more people we socialize these ideas with, um, the better it is for us because we might not be thinking of a particular holiday, say, in Asia Pacific, and that might hurt us later if we're not thoughtful about working around those dates. So we try and expose ourselves to as many possible conflicts. We are thoughtful about the other events that are happening at the same time, other Many of our partner events might overlap or conflict with ours. We have to be very cautious about that. Um, we want to complement, not conflict in those situations. Huh. All right. um, but ultimately, you do you know, have to make a decision that you propose. And generally, All right. as long as you've thought it through, the management yeah. team is supportive. Perfect. All right, switching gears. Um, challenging. You talked a little bit about the challenges where we've, we've moved from just being a compute you know, virtualization company to now doing storage, networking, desktop mobility, AirWatch, all of these things. Does that change, you know, like, who competes for what sessions? Do you, do you actually look at growth of that? I know that, that that seems to be a challenge, right, where how many sessions do we actually have? How do we allocate out sessions? How many do we have in compute versus how many do in storage versus how many do in networking? Um, do you guys have to deal with that? Oh, yes. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> in a very big way. Um, you know, first of all, I think it is important to note that we don't do this in a vacuum with Inside VMware. You know, you had mentioned early on, I think, in the introductions that we were the team that was responsible for ex executing VMworld. I'd be remiss in not pointing out the fact that this is probably one of the few events we do each year where the entire company, company. comes together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We partner very closely with our product business units, senior management, all of the strategy groups, all of the portfolio marketing, solutions marketing, the field organizations to think about what is right in terms of the content program we develop. We also engage with customers. So every year we do fairly sophisticated research, not just the surveys that we do at the event, but after the fact, we reach out to attendees and people who are our customers but don't attend and try and really understand what products do they use, what are they looking for, um, how have they changed as an individual and what their expectations are with the event. All of that rich, rich data feeds our kind of our baseline of understanding as we think about the program. Um, but I can't deny even within the company it is very almost a little competitive in terms of how many sessions. And we have to, it's a very fine balancing act and we have to work through it as best as we can. Um, the good news is, is that all of our business units see VMworld as an, this incredible opportunity to showcase not only what their latest, greatest products can do for a customer, but the momentum that is out there in the marketplace with customers that are using the product. So that's goodness. People see the value. Our own business units are very, very anxious to take advantage of as much space and session opportunity as we can give them. Interesting. Metrics. I know it's a big, big event, right? Like, Can, can you tell us, like, how many partners do we actually have participating in in the event itself? I know we always announce the the number of people that show up, right? But um, how big is the ecosystem? How many partners do we have? I know it's just not our show. We've always had VMworld to be, you know, the virtualization show, right? Run by VMware, but you know, how how big an ecosystem is this? Well, we have a we have a large number of partner companies that participate, and they really participate in. I'm going to say three ways. There are many partners that participate as a customer, partner companies that actually use our solutions and they attend to learn just like a customer would attend. Solutions Exchange, we have hundreds of partners that participate either as an exhibitor or a sponsor or in some other way. And there are thousands of partner employees that come and attend the event to support the Solutions Exchange initiative. And then we also have Partner Exchange at VMworld at the front end of the program in both the U.S. and in Europe. And so many partners look at that opportunity to come and see what is happening new with partner programs and how VMware is supporting its partners. Not all of those overlap, right? There's some people that do each one of those things individually, and then there are some companies that take advantage of multiple of those things. Um, but there are literally, you know, thousands of individual partner attendees and hundreds and hundreds of partner companies that are represented at VMworld. I've noticed also that there's um, several partner companies that, that actually do sessions, mm -hmm. right? They've gone through the process of, of um, submitting sessions and, and getting them approved. And, and I find that fascinating and amazing to, you know, if they're, when I was a customer and I used VMware and uh, like a, maybe a storage solution or a management solution, and I saw that, you know, that company was presenting at VMworld, like that was, that was a really important session for me to attend. Um, and and I, I've just gotten a whole lot of value out of that. 
you know, how they see the ecosystem. You know, that's always a, a difficult thing to balance because there are some that would say, you know, how many sessions should we open up and we might question what's the right miss. We believe very firmly that even if a partner may compete with us a little bit in certain areas or in certain product lines, we want VMworld to really sort of open up the opportunity across all types of solutions in the space that we play in. And so with Solutions Exchange, you know, we don't really control who participates as long as they're a partner of ours. Even if you compete with us in some ways, we still want you to participate in Solutions Exchange. And we look through every single call for paper submission with a lens to really think about, is this something that will benefit our audience? And in many cases, those are partners or, or they are customers that present in those sessions. So uh, I want to take you back to the sessions for a moment with regard to, you know, the lens of looking at what's good for the audience members. We talked a little bit about a survey and, you know, I know we survey after the sessions. And what I find interesting is that I've been in meetings where, you know, I've talked to presenters and they're like, yeah, my survey results were a tick down this year and I'm worried I'm not going to get called back. Right. Because and so I I just want to it's kind of like a softball question over the plate, which is. It's not. It's less about a question, but you guys really do look at how well presenters do. You look at that survey data, and that does make that does factor into the equation of whether a session person gets invited back to VMworld. You're actually looking at how relevant the sessions are, what the feedback is, what the presenter is, how relevant. There's a lot of those questions, and I've seen you guys in rooms actually making decisions based on that data from customers at the event. You're right. Um, All of that is accurate. In addition, we also look at what does this mean for the for the percentage of the program that we make available. So, as certain um, tracks, for example, might have a certain percentage of signups, and we monitor: do those signups actually realize into people sitting inside those sessions? And what percentage of the audience is in any given track at any given hour? We if we monitor and evaluate all of those things to help us better adjust and turn those dials, so to speak, for the next year. So we care about individual session scores. Um, The questions that we ask, I know people sometimes get frustrated by the exact same survey for every single session, but there's not a question on that survey form that we don't thoroughly evaluate and doesn't somehow affect our decisions for future programs. I think that's that's always amazing to hear that that somebody's actually going through those surveys and they're, you know, it all, I think it kind of underlines, you know, kind of going back to the theme, the customer, the actual attendee is, should be in some, you know, view the boss, the champion, you know, the person who's, who's uh, driving all of this. So if people are going to sessions and don't find them relevant, you know, the, the, the best way to express that is through the survey and through in a very constructive way saying, you know, this is what I came expecting, here's what was in the description, you know, it didn't match or I, there's a misunderstanding or, you know, two ways to read it. And, and here's what would have actually been relevant to me. And I think when that, that goes back to a speaker, then they can make an adjustment. Maybe, you know, there's uh, a missed focus or, you know, if there's just speaker notes, oh, the speaker was uncomfortable. They seem unprepared for the direction of questions. Um, it would be better if this happened. Then again, the speaker can make the, that adjustment. Or, you know, ultimately, as, as an organization, we can make an adjustment. Oh, this didn't seem relevant to the wider audience. You know, maybe we should, you know, drop that. Interestingly, a a little side story about um, session surveys. About two years ago, we added the question, why did you take the session? 
And we asked, you know, was it because it's relevant to your job, you use this support, these products, it's relevant to your job. You know, nothing else was available in this time slot. Um, it doesn't relate to you individually, but your company is evaluating this product, so you're here to learn about it. And it was so surprising to us to hear why people attended. And obviously, you could expect that the number one reason people attend sessions is because they personally use or support that product and they're there to learn more. But the second um, also very high in score. The second most common answer was our company is looking at this product or we've just made a decision to invest in this product and I'm trying to understand it better so I can come back and help my company through this transition. And we made a lot of interesting changes to the program better understanding why people attend sessions. So um, you oftentimes get surprised with what you find and it really can change how you think about how you organize the program. That's terrific. Perfect. What percentage of people that come to VMworld are new versus repeat people? Do we know what that you know, number is? Or are we allowed to talk about that? If, if we're not, we don't have to. But uh, just curious, what's that mix look like? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I will say we're not 100% sure we have this right. Uh -huh. Because as you can imagine, people change jobs. And although we always encourage people to work with our reg team to change and try you know, connect their new email to the old email to make sure that they maintain that long-term status. Um, some people just don't. So some people that might appear to be new to us actually aren't new. Right. And um, so we, you know, try and build in some things to double-check that. But we do have a fairly large percentage of attendees each year that are new or didn't attend in the previous year. Um, we do find that people may attend for a few years and then they may take a year or two break when maybe their job priority has changed a little bit. So there'll be a little bit of a gap and then they'll come back later because they're now working with that product again in their day job. Um, but we do have a fairly large percentage. The numbers that we look at are for the overall so that you know might include partners and you know even employees in some cases, but it is a it's a it's a good percentage of new growth every year. Yeah, that, I saw numbers, and I I don't have to be official, so but it was upwards of you know 50 percent or some large number where had never hadn't maybe not been to VMworld in the previous year or yeah, two. Yeah, right? a couple so, of years. Yeah, and so I was like really surprised by that. Was it was I want to run around, run around and shake people's hands, going, okay, you probably never been here. You probably. Because that's what I, you know, because we hang out in the community area where it's the same people. It's, you know, with our top 3,000 favorite V experts, that, which is a lot of people, 3,000, a lot of people. So you can hang around this 3,000 person ecosystem and never meet anyone new, right? Or maybe once in a while somebody, hey, I joined, I'm a V expert now, I'm really excited. And we see those. But, you know, in our circle, we don't get to see that many new people. We're mostly caring and feeding and being in relationships with the advocates and the people that have you know been in our ecosystem running blogs and engaging with all the customers. And it's very good to remember that there are so many new people because as we've talked about, a conference with that many people can be a little bit overwhelming if it's your first experience with it. So it's a good reminder to us to really be thinking about it through the lens of a first-timer in terms of how do we really do the best job we can in terms of being clear as to how they find the content, you know, how they understand what hands-on labs are, where they go to attend what or to experience what. Um, I would say the last two years, and Nikki, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I think the last two years we've done a really good job of thinking about our first-time attendees, and we've tried to communicate a lot more information and how-to guides on the website and in the know-before-you-go so that they're better 
better prepared and better equipped to sort of navigate the complexity of such a large event. It's probably out of scope for this uh, discussion, but I think as in the run-up in the two weeks previous, there's a lot of blog posts about how to survive a show like VMworld. And even if you've gone to a local um, event, you know, where, you know, two or 3,000 people even attend, it's a little bit different for, from a four or five day event with 20,000 people, you know, in a, in a venue, you know, like the one we have in Vegas where, I, I think I said this before, you get off the elevator and you walk to the convention entrance, that's three quarters of a mile, right? That's non-trivial amount of travel around the venue. And then between sessions going from place to place, you know, in, in a city like Vegas, which is, you know, hot and, uh, you know, maybe not indoors, but, you know, the chance of, like, getting dehydrated and... It, it does it does offer interesting challenges. And my bit of advice, you know, go read blogs, but I think you should always just buy a brand new pair of shoes right before you go. Mm-hmm. That way you, you can have blisters the whole event. <laughs> Our tip is to change your shoes every day. Uh, yeah, there's a tip from the from the team that works on the world every single year. You know, as the, as the program has grown, one of the things that, frankly, just sort of, keeps me awake at night and I put a lot of hours into thinking about is that how do you go from an event that was really sort of started with this really passionate group of customers and was fairly small and fairly intimate and you could really meet the very specific needs of that audience. As our product line has grown, as the audience has grown, as the overall general complexity of the event has grown, it's hard because there are times that we know we sort of have to serve the masses and that means chances are our eye is off the individual. And um, it's always a very difficult balance to think about how do we operate with that many people there, but still know that we're giving what an individual needs to justify his extremely important and valuable time for being at this event. It is a big commitment for our attendees. We know that. Um, and we spend a lot of time talking about how to balance operationally what we have to do to just succeed and get through the week and still meet the needs of the individual. Yeah, it, it, just hearing you say that gives me goosebumps because I know I've been on the backside where, you know, you guys are on radios, you're monitoring tactically what's going on, and, you know, we're monitoring social, and there's there's inevitably some problems. And so we get the, we're going to try to give beer away in this area because we have lines, and, you know, like, and so you, you guys are constantly dealing with that and trying to adjust tactically, right, versus bigger theme versus overall grand strategy to give these people value. So, you know, it did. I do feel like you guys do tons of work in this space and really, really try hard to do everything you can. I've I've been in, you know, back rooms where I've seen you guys struggle and try to just do the incredible, right, you know, to getting people with wagons and taking beer someplace, right? Just to, just to, just to show that we are listening, we care, and we know this is an issue. We're trying to work through it, right? And so, yeah, that's yeah. It's, that is it is, hope. it is it is a great community effort that you guys do in your own ecosystem, right? All right, shifting gears again. Another interesting thing that I find that I just want to mention is you know the keynote preps, right? And things that are going on in keynotes, right? Um, how do the keynotes come about? Um, I know I've been there a day before watching people practice, that kind of thing. Can you just tell us a little bit of 
how keynotes happen. Everybody comes to keynotes. We get we get various feedback. Oh, I like them. I don't like them. That kind of thing. But just thought it's fun. You guys are here just to hear a little backstory of how do keynotes actually work and happen. Well, I like to refer to the keynotes a little bit as sort of like the daily vitamin, right? It is the one thing that almost everyone participates in. You know, it's probably good for you to be there, and it's going to be sort of this big, broad kind of smattering of all this great information. And although it may not be super specific to your particular needs, a lot of people are there to focus on a product or two, and the gen session may be quite a bit broader than that. We know that. We understand that. So we are looking for how do we bring together the right level of content, the right depth of content, um, the right mix of content, making it a little bit entertaining for people because it is a big investment of time, but still be able to land on all the information we're trying to communicate. So we probably begin working on the general sessions. We start having conversations a good nine months in advance of the event, and then we really kick into gear a month or two later. Um, It involves an awful lot of people contributing ideas and basic recommendations for the flow, but as our executives are ultimately the ones that are up there on stage delivering that information, they are um, the ones that, you know, ultimately work through the exact final content with us. So I can't say it's not busy those last couple of weeks, um, given all their priorities, Um, But we did, I did want to take a moment and talk about a pretty substantial change we made for this year. Over the last couple of years, again, with the growth of all of our product lines, we have seen a tendency to put more and more people into the gen session and try and cover more and more product categories and more and more different groups. And we got feedback loud and clear last year that it was a little bit overwhelming. It's like too many people, way too many choices, you know, make make the gen sessions a little bit lighter and a little bit easier, um, you know, have just one or two people deliver this content. So based on that feedback, we did create a new type of content this year called a showcase keynote, and those are all schedulable in Schedule Builder. You would choose, you would opt in to that type of a session, but is where most of the more in-depth product information has been brought down into the content um, organizational structure. So I would encourage people that are looking for um, fairly high-level information about a product category to go to Content Catalog and look for Showcase Keynotes. That is a new type of content this year that we think will be very valuable for people in addition to the full general sessions. Showcase Keynote. Are they going to be in just session rooms or are they going to be in slightly bigger halls? They're in... Bigger session rooms. Bigger session rooms. So they're in rooms. session okay. rooms that have kind of expanded capability and larger size. Okay. Um, but we'll we'll adjust them according to the sign up. Sign ups, right? That's a, that's, I can see several uses for that. For example, you know, as um, when I was an individual contributor in IT, you know, one of the ways that I would sell my ability to go to the show was to tell my boss that it was important for him to go to the show as well. And one of the things that I see you know, more recently is kind of an executive track, right? How did, how executives can understand business value of this investment in IT. And to do these uh, showcases and to, to take them out of the, the main um, keynote to more of a showcase uh, keynote would be like an amazing thing to, to bring to an executive and say, hey, you know, you don't need to get into the weeds about individual products and how they're implemented and you know, walking through the screenshots of configurations and, you know, um, but if you 
We're interested in, say, mobility this year. That's going to be our main focus. Why don't you go to the keynotes, go to the mobility uh, showcase keynote, um, and then maybe uh, we can, you know, we'll talk to our, our VMware rep to get you uh, maybe like a, an executive briefing, you know, with, with some of those there. people, you know, while mm -hmm. you're there. So that would be an amazing kind of schedule for like a, like a director of IT or a VP of IT at a smaller or medium-sized organization, and it would deliver amazing value. Yeah, we've, we've worked hard this year to integrate more content that um, does speak to more senior IT staff. We have a new track this year called D Leading Digital Transformation um, that is open to directors and above in IT, and we're seeing really strong interest from that um, as well. But um, And all of this is sort of pure to our our intent to try and let people opt in to what is important to them. You know, rather than trying to force all of this content across all of these products as much in a gen session, bring it to a showcase keynote level and let people pick the categories. Do I care about security or do I care about mobility? And let people actually opt in to that greater level of depth that's appropriate to them and their business needs. That's terrific. Yep. So on the session topic, as long as we're that, we, we do have the last day session. I think it's the Thursday session. We don't do a one on Wednesday. We give everybody a break from having to get up too early in the morning. And then on Thursday, we do an interesting session. You want to talk a little bit about that? This is one of my favorite things at VMworld. So on Thursday, we do something that is sort of um, inspired by a TED Talk-like format. And we bring in three just leading-edge, innovative, makers or creators to come in and talk about their technology or what they're doing. And we've had, gosh, a variety of speakers in the past. We had a gentleman who brought in um, robots that could play soccer. Um, we had someone from Google join us to talk about the self-driving car. We've had people that have come in and talked about topics like algorithms. I mean, we've had a fascinating number of topics. Yeah. <laughs> reality is broken. We had James McGonagall a couple of years ago. Yes, we yes, talked about the gaming. We've yeah. had just really interesting topics. So each year we look to kind of have a somewhat loose theme and then try and find three really interesting speakers that come in and talk for 18 to 20 minutes. It's a one-hour session, you know, because on Thursday, I think people, their brains are a little full. They're getting a little tired. We might see it less people in the audience, but it is a mighty following. And, in fact, the Thursday surveys tell us that this is one of their favorite elements of the event. Um, so if you're listening and you have not attended the Thursday general session, I would really encourage you to go this year. We have three amazing speakers lined up for this it, event. It kills me, too, because it's Thursday after the party, right? We've, we've gone to bed so late. It's and then it's the only session that's also not recorded in live stream. So if you miss it, then you miss it, right? You can't get there. And it's always really innovative, cool speakers, right? And I'm always like, oh, I got to get up because if I miss it, I can't, I can't watch it. Right, yeah. right. With the speakers and their topics, they're also oftentimes talking about stuff that hasn't even been formally announced yet. And so, um, you know, we, we honor that without recording or live streaming that. But it is a commitment, I would agree, um, but not to be missed. All right, good. So other interesting things, the village concepts, uh, I, I found really interesting. I, I really love the idea that there's now a loop that people can walk around. We've transitioned from the... Holly Christopher hang space concepts of the day, uh, which was which was very fun. I really love those, right? Um, I don't know if it was a tribute to her. I always 
called her because I remember the green grass and the trees and the park and just that's where that came to be where you had a place just to chill out and relax from the stress of all the sessions everything going on we've now transitioned that into a village which is a loop I think that's really neat I love the idea that there's a walkway you can walk around see all the stuff that's happening innovative stuff there um, you can, if you have anything you want to say about that's where we're going to be that's where the VM10 community booth is and the blogger tables and all the podcast booths and Code code booth and tables. Question for you in that switch: Are there other cool spaces or other things that, or what is your, you know, if you take take, I know this is impossible for you guys to do, but step back a little bit and go, what are the most interesting things that both of you find during the week of the event? If you could possibly even take that hat off for a moment and, and talk I'm gonna about let that. Nikki start. Goodness, um, I think. Uh, there's some cool stuff happening in the Solutions Exchange this year. There's things like the Mobility Zone, that's kind of an homage to what was formerly Connect, um, where we have some things around there. There's a new Innovator Pavilion that's in there, too. The VMware booth looks amazing. I can't wait to actually see it built out. Um, we got to see a sneak peek, and it's going to be one of the better ones, I think. I, I can't wait to just go get a quick tour of it right before it opens. I think I'm most excited for that. That got me really excited this morning. That is that was interesting. I've seen that transition in the VMware booth experience where all of a sudden you have headphones walking through virtual reality kind of environments where you can watch video of customer experiences. And they're almost like becoming a Disney ride in its own right, right? Where it's actually fun to go, you know, experience what's at the VMware booth area, I guess I would call that. So you're, yeah, you're taking those experiences yeah. a little bit further this year, too. Yeah, it's looking that way, and I'm really excited about it. I hadn't seen anything until this morning that was awesome. I don't, yeah. I don't want to call it an arms race, but I, I just thought that it was interesting to see, you know, partner booths in, in Solutions Exchange. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, like one of the earlier shows that I went to, here's this like two-story booth, right? And on the second story is where they were doing their executive meetings. And I thought, you know, I, I just want to know about that, that company just from the fact that they have a two-story booth and that's, you know, in order to see the second story, you have to be an executive to see the meetings. And then, you know, of course I caught myself. I was like, well, man, I'm being manipulated, you know? And then I went, yeah, I, it's very successful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just, you know, you could spend the entire show just walking the show floor, you know, that solution. People spend show. hours, you know, we, they tell us how long they spend, and they literally spend hours and hours walking the floor just because there's so many partners to see and so many really interesting technologies to take a look at. So um, it's great. We love that floor, and I agree. I think there's going to be some cool things on the show. <laughs> you know, Nikki brought up something talking about Connect. She's referring to AirWatch Connect, which is um, the event that AirWatch – um, a company that was acquired by VMware several years ago um, had produced. Um, we're excited this year because we're fully integrating um, that program and, in fact, have actually substantially beefed up the amount of mobility and end-user computing content that we're delivering for this year. Um, so we are really looking forward to you know, seeing some of those mobility customers and more EUC customers participate in the show this year and see what VMworld has to offer. Um, you know, It is always tricky when you're balancing across so many different product lines, but um, there's a lot of great attention this year on mobility, and we're 
excited to see that be realized this year. Yeah, that's what I, I experienced when going into solution exchange now, where because we're in mobility and there's mobility vendors there, it actually becomes a little bit of IoT of things, right, where you have smaller devices, you have interesting experiences that are happening, you have NVIDIA there doing streaming, gaming, you have gaming seats that you – where is, you know, being an old school VMware guy, I'm like, what's happened to us? <laughs> like, where, where do we go? This is, this is my, my children's conference. But, but it's actually interesting, right? And it makes it fun. It makes the solutions exchange a, pl- a place where you can go hang out and definitely learn and have some fun. It's not just free t-shirts and, a, and you know, somebody giving me a pitch. Right? right. One of the things we did make a change um, in talking about the VMware booth is that we've made some substantial changes to the Meet the Experts area. Um, So historically, we've kind of had experts sort of sprinkled all over the conference. There were some in the booth, the VMware booth. There were some out in the Meet the Experts area. There were some in hands-on labs. We've completely overhauled the Meet the Experts space this year, and it's going to sort of be everything together organized to meet whatever type of expert needs you might have. And we are um, focusing on we'll have individual representatives there who can talk to you about any sort of service-related issue, um, and a lot of attention has gone into that area this year. So if you're someone in the past past who's gone to the booth to talk to somebody from support or something like that, um, everybody is now based out of the Meet the Experts area, and we're real excited to see how that works for people this year. Longer hours, more availability. I think at the end, it's all good for the attendees. So last year it was in the village. Is it still? Is it going to be somewhere else, or is it going to be still in the village? Or For this year, and, and it changes a little bit every year based right. on the space configuration sure. that we have. So I don't want to apply that this is permanent. But this year we thought we'd try it by having it very close to breakout sessions. So the Meet the Experts area will be on level two of the Mandalay Bay Convention Center, which is where a very large percentage of the breakout sessions take place. Gotcha. So it's sort of like right there in the middle, and you can't miss it. As you're moving around between your breakout as sessions. As opposed to being in solutions exchange. Down in, I think, you know, down in VM Village or down right. in one of the kind of on the edge of a meal hall or something like that. I think it's right. going to be in a very good workable place this year. We only have about four minutes left here. I have to be respectful of you guys' time because I know you're very busy. You probably have one at one o'clock that's going to start. So when I get you out <laughs> of the studio and move on. I'll, I'll throw a couple, you know, uh, questions at you. Um, are there going to be day passes this year for people that just want to fly in, do a day, and fly out? I know we don't. That's not the way we join sessions. We don't. We don't encourage people to do that. But um, I know we've had those in the past. Are those going to be happening for people? Yeah, I believe we have those for this year planned. Um, we typically turn those on a little bit later and. We do see less of those. In, Especially in, in something like in Vegas, Vegas, where there's not a big IT crowd there's that can just drop in for the day. There's not a lot of local crowd, although we are right. doing a little okay. more outreach to sort of local customers. There are surprising a surprising <laughs> yeah. number of customers in the Las Vegas area. Or um, if you were just going to be in Vegas gambling that, that weekend and you just want to swing by and, and, see, and, and do a VMworld <laughs> drive-by, we can, we can certainly encourage that. Okay, that's, that's one. Uh, there's going to be a party. I don't know if we've announced who the band is. I don't know if we can... We probably can't say that here. I think it's somewhere on a website. I, I heard it. I think we announced. We talked about I it. I think we. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I did say it was. I'm just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was some new age band thing. I recognize that. Here's the thing. Right? Here's the thing. But we are going to have a band again. We this are going to have a band. Yeah, We've got right. uh, for the U.S. event. We have Blink 182. That's right. Oh, right. The number we, we did mention the podcast last week. Yes. So it is, yeah. Yeah. So we're out excited there. about that. We do not market that on social, by the way. Don't tweet that out. We keep it kind of low key because the bands get angry. If we do any kind of social on that, so if you've heard it here, don't don't evangelize it. 
Well, you can talk about it. We don't mind if you talk about talk it. About it. Um, right. And if you're interested in Europe, we'll have news on that very soon. We're just mm-hmm. waiting for the ink to dry. Um, Are we going to have, you know, some kind of some kind of personal band? Some, I mean, it's not, usually not a, a rock band or anything. It's usually it's in, usually some kind of personality. Yeah, sometimes it's in Europe bands too. Yeah. yeah, no, we've got we're lined yeah. up for another concert in Europe with right. a lot of fun that goes along yeah. with the party. Last last couple things. Well, pre last couple things. Um, one is. Uh, Venues going forward. I know we're at Barcelona this year. I know we're in Vegas this year. I know you can't really talk too much about a commitment. Are are we looking at other places? Are we, this is going to constantly be changing, right? And you probably don't know. And I know that every year after VMworld, you actually get on planes and go other places like two weeks later, checking out. And it, it starts all over again for you guys, right? So um, I take it you're still working on venues going forward and you, we, we can't we're, talk about it until we're we always it. looking for new okay. venues we just did a kind of a tour this year to look at other venues in europe um we are committed to las vegas for next year as well okay that was one of the questions right. on the chat and was, you know all of that will be announced formally at the event right. this year but we are i can certainly say that um we are looking beyond that and again it's constantly a balance of meeting the needs of the audience making it easy for them to get there and trying to set it up in a way that's cost-effective for our attendees. It's definitely easier on the pocketbook. I remember going to VMworld, I want to say 2014 or 2015, and I spent $2,000 on hotel, just just the room, right? Hilton Financial District. Shout out to them for a big chunk of money. Taking, taking, taking that money from you? Yeah. yeah. But, um, is that love, SF or it was SF. yeah? So, so Vegas and yeah, people cheaper. love San Francisco. They love Las Vegas. Right. T- typically, are kind of bubble up to the top. And we we got feedback in the community and on social, all different ways, right? There, there, there's people that don't like this. There's people that don't like that. You know, you, you just there's you, always somebody likes stuff and always somebody that doesn't like stuff. And so we listen and we go, oh, yeah, mm, okay, it's good. Yep, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, what is the term you used earlier today? Flight load? Well, uh, airlift. That's what I'm going to start saying. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, I know you like this or like that, but I'm really thinking airlift. Right? Got to worry that's, about the airlift. That's, that's, that's we got to worry about the airlift and those dates. So glad we've had an influence. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, you, you're never too late to learn things. If you want to go reg, vmworld.com, uh, go there, vmworld.com. It's easy to go. Go reg. Come there. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great one this year. I'm actually more excited this year than I have been in a long time just because the product set that we have is just going to be a lot of fun. The Alexa, AWS, all the stuff we're doing there is a lot of fun as well. So if you think you know everything about VMware and you're kind of yawning going, ah, I don't know, like this is the time. AWS and, it's, and alone and some of the stuff we're doing with Alexa with William Lamb and Eleanor Newt is worth you know, going to your boss, you know, do we have the boss letter up on the site too? So if you need justification, because yeah. VMworld.com, they got a pre-written letter. You can go in, fill it out. Uh, if you need me to send mail, just send me mail. Let me know. I'll call. We got all the VMTN tech sessions. We can get you on a podcast. Go, Reg. Come be a part of it. If you're listening to this show, it means you're part of our community, and you should be at the show it's at Vegas. How hard is it to get to Vegas for you know a couple of days? You don't have to stay the whole week. You can just stay for a couple of days. Come in, say hello to me, say hello to John, and uh, you know come be on the podcast. We'll, we'll we'll talk to you guys. Linda, Nikki, thanks so much for carving out an hour of the incredibly most busiest time of your life to come on our show. It makes our ratings go good. My numbers get bigger. I get it. Anyway, <laughs> thanks a lot for being here, being on the show, uh, and thanks. Just everybody, I think, would say thanks for doing all the work you do because we get to enjoy the show every year and we don't have to work near as hard as you guys do. Thanks for having us. It was a pleasure.
All right, guys, thanks a lot. We'll be on again next week. Hopefully we'll get Alan and uh, William back and uh, you know, talk about what's going to be happening at the hackathon. We're really excited about that. Super excited. All right, and we're at the top of the hour. We're going to hit the big red stop button now.